Good to see you again, brother. I wish you hadn't have said something like that because I, I didn't uh, think of myself of being the senior. Senior. I used to be standing up here like these youngers, young people. And I don't understand why everybody else got old except me. I want to mention a name to you that um, we've seen the Lord do a miraculous work in the last few weeks, and that's Brother Nate Hilly. I don't know if most of you know what has happened to Brother Hilly. Very courageous man. Um, the Lord's given him much grace. Amen. We thank the Lord for it. Also, um, I know Brother Mark back there is taking a lot of teasing about his height. But I'm going to tell you something. I grabbed a hold of his arm last night. It's like grabbing a hold of a tree limb, buddy. That guy's solid as a rock. We got a few things in common. <laughs> Not our looks, that's for sure. Thank the church for inviting me one more time. The reason I wasn't here that one time is because I was stranded in Atlanta in that ice storm back a few years ago at the airport and uh, couldn't get, spent 17 hours in that airport. Couldn't get out. Couldn't even rent a car. Couldn't find a motel. But um, that's the only one I missed that I know of. I was kind of already geared up there a while ago when uh, getting ready to preach, and then brother brother uh, Paul here decided to make have a break, and I'm glad he did because it woke y'all up. (laughs) So um, maybe maybe you can stay with me. I know it's my job to keep you awake, but uh, maybe we'll. Um, Brother Kiger's want me to go ahead and shut up and get started preaching. It's your time, man. It's for nothing. What is sin? Well, the Greek-English lexicon defines sin as missing the mark. And uh, we'll have some other things to say about it. I'd like to ask you to turn to the book of Genesis, the first or the third chapter, fourth chapter, I'm sorry. Genesis 4. I won't read the whole passage, but as you know, the story goes, uh, Cain was Adam and Eve's firstborn, and then they had another child named uh, Abel. And there was jealousy between the two because God accepted the uh, the sacrifice of Abel and not the sacrifice of Cain. 
We won't go into that either today because that's not part of my message. But we know that Cain was completely absorbed, consumed with jealousy to the point that he murdered his brother. And um, as we read in the ninth verse, eighth verse, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his, against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. I, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it will not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face, uh, from thy face shall I hide, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on, in the earth, and it shall be, uh, it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto Cain, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest they find him and should kill him. Now, the Lord said to Cain uh, also, In verse 7, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. According to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law. Uh, for the, the, for sin is the transgression of the law. The Bible mentions sin either as sin or sins or sinner or sinful, iniquity, wretched, evil, many different nouns, adjectives, and verbs are used to dis- for this word sin. But the first record of sin is found in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve sinned against God, disobeyed His law, and fell into uh, depravity. One of the preachers mentioned that God was able to save the worst of sinners. If God could save Adam, He can save them any, right? That's for sure. You know, like learning a different language, there are certain words that some people just can't pronounce. 
I have trouble with a lot of Bible words and other words as well. There are certain word, there's a certain word that I simply can't put my mouth around it. But uh, the news media, politicians, liberal actors, that is those uh, uh, activists, liberal preachers, have trouble forming the word sin in their mouth. It seems to be impossible for these people to say the word sin. How long has it been? If you've ever watched the news, you watch the local news or the national news on any channel, how, when is the last time you ever heard a politician or any uh, news media use the word sin? People think that if they redefine sin, like many, so many words have been redefined in our day, in this day and time, they believe that they can redefine sin, conviction, guilt, and condemnation of it will just maybe go away. What used to be fornication, that's a Bible term, by the way, is now a relationship. Or a fiancé. The Bible says sodomy. That's a Bible term. The clinical term for that is homosexuality. The word homosexuality is not in the Bible because the Bible doesn't discuss clinical problems. It discusses sin. But now, it's simply gay pride. They used to. I don't know if it still is that way now, but they used to have a slogan that said, We're gay, we're proud, and we're in your face. And that's exactly what has taken place in our society to date. The wicked multitude... They're militant. They're political. It's a movement. Has infiltrated every segment of our society. It has gotten into the retail market, the transportation market, the government in every aspect. And sad to say, the military as well. That's how far that this, uh, this sin, which can't be called sin today, you're, you're condemned if you call sin, sin. And that's how far we've come in the last few years. Very few years. Some things that are happening today, no one in this room probably would have ever dreamed, uh, in your wildest dream would have thought that we could have these wicked people 
so-called transgenders putting on shows in front of our four- and five-year-old children. We live in a wicked society, and it's getting worse, and it will get worse. What used to be unthinkable murder by abortion is now called a woman's right. This horrible sin has been redefined as reproductive health care. That's an invented word to make uh, abortion sound more palatable and gain the approval of more people. That's another powerful, militant, political movement today. What used to be considered religious persecution is now called separation of church and state. What used to be considered uh, fraud is now poor judgment. And uh, what used to be called adultery is now called indiscretion. All these terms, things, words have been redefined and I, uh, you know, words mean something. Words are important. And when you re- redefine words, you, you, you either add power to it or you take power away. And anytime you in, you redefine a word of the Bible, you're taking power away from that word. Bad behavior. People riding the streets in our cities. These God-hating DAs and judges who use the courtroom as a revolving door for bad actors simply say, well, it's just bad behavior. They can't help it. Now the streets of our cities, small and large, are being gutted by thugs, drug pushers, dealers, gangs of robbers, thieves, and murderers. Sin. It's sin. And no matter what you call sin, sin is still sin. The foolish, depraved mind really believes that if they can get rid of the Bible and those who boldly expose sin for what it is, they can carry on in their lasciviousness and all their wicked behavior without guilt and without conscience. And it seems to be working. There's no shame today. There's no shame with people who are openly committing all kinds of heinous sin because they know there's no consequence on this earth. What they don't know that there is consequence which is coming. 
should be easy for anyone to expound upon this subject. <laughs> it is for me. I'm a sinner. Uh, it's nature. It's characteristics. It's traits. We are all sinners by nature and sinners by choice. For most of us, explaining sins, pitfalls, and consequences should be fairly simple. So I have five short points. If you're taking notes and you want this outline, sin's nature, sin's source, sin's snare, sin's consequence, and sin's remedy. The nature of something means it's the essence of it, the essential qualities or attribute of a thing which makes it what it is. Sin in its verb form is essentially the consequence of its noun form. Sin brings about sin. That's why I titled this Sin is Sin. And so sin's nature is to do evil. It cannot do anything more or less than evil because of its essence, because of its essential quality. Nor can it change from what it's doing because evil is its essence. Paul said, Romans 7.21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Take heed, child of God, because sin will engulf you. It will take you over. Genesis 4-7 says, in part, And if thou doest well, sin, or doest not well, sin liest at the door. It's kind of like gravity. Sin, the law of sin is to do evil, therefore sin is sin. I believe this means the sin lying at the door. I believe it means, this means that, means sin in its noun form as a thing, yet it implies sin's inherent dangers and its consequences. Sin lieth at the door. Sin will bring consequences. Sin will bring you down. Romans chapter 3 verse Paul shows, Paul shows the effect of sin's nature on mankind when he says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 says, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. 
In Genesis 4, verse 8, we learn of the essence of sin as it is acted upon and becomes sin. Genesis 4, 8 says, And Cain talked with his, with his brother, talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when he, they were in the field that Cain rose up and against his brother and slew him. Now we don't, I don't know if he took a stone and hit him in the head with it. I don't know if he choked him to death. I don't know what he did, but he killed him. He didn't use a 357 Magnum though. He used something other than that scary gun. So, this was due to the inherent nature of sin without restraint. When sin has no restraint and no consequence, it creates chaos and anarchy among human beings. Did you know that animals do not sin? Did you know that animals cannot sin? Because they don't have the conscience of a human being. The only one that sins is human beings. Eventually, it will dis- eventually destroy uh, him and most of mankind. The nature of sin. Source. Here's the source of sin. Where does it come from? Well, I'm going to tell you. Sin is older than Adam, by the way. Sin was brought to Adam. It would not exist if it were not for Satan. He is the essential, he is the essence of sin and the source of all evil. Before Cain's rebellion and sin of murder, there was Satan. He visited our mother in the Garden of Eden. And he beguiled her. That tells us that mankind, even in his most holiest, perfect state, can be tempted to sin. Don't think that you can rise above sin. Don't think that your spirituality can rise you above sin. The moment you get that idea, that's when... That's your weakest point, by the way, and that's when Satan will attack you. He he has lived in the hearts of mankind since that very time and is the greatest influence today in the world. Not religion, not Christianity, not politics. But Satan is the greatest influence in this world today. Isaiah chapter 14. Now some commentaries don't agree with me on this. And that's their problem. But I believe that Isaiah 14, 12, in that passage is talking about this, about Satan. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? 
How art thou cut down to the ground that didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of the sky of, of God. I will be sit on the upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. There is consequence of sin, and Satan is going to be the greatest example of that one day. Ezekiel chapter 28, another place where some commentaries disagree with me, but that's their problem. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone of thou, the covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, the, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Did you know that, by the way, some may agree, disagree with this, but God only created two humans. The rest of us are offspring. But He also created the angels. And this is a created being. Thou hast, thou art the anointed cherub and, and that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up, up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast Perfect in thy ways, but from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Sin originated, originated with this most holy, most intelligent, most beautiful of God's creation. Lucifer, the son of the morning. Well, beware. Because, child of God, sin will snare you. What is sin's snare? Well, the word snare means a foot, a, a pitfall. It means a source of danger that's not able to, is not foreseen, not, you can't see it coming. And this is not original with me, and I'm sure it's been used many times by most of you preachers. But sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you can pay. And that's the truth. I don't know who coined that phrase, but it's the truth. God said to Cain, If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. 
As we've stated, this, this implies sin's inherent dangers and its consequences. There are many specifics that could be named, such as envy and bitterness and all those things. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is rottenness of the bones. Envy is sin. Jealousy is sin. Many other things of this flesh, most everything of this flesh is sin. Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 12 says, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in the evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time. And brother, that, that applies to you and me as well. When it falleth suddenly upon you. You know, Satan is subtle in his ways. But he gives no warning. He doesn't say to you, wake up one night, make, wake you up in the middle of the night and say, now, you better be careful because I'm coming after you. No, he doesn't do that. He walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And there's consequences, beloved. There's consequences. Sin may, you may not uh, see your, even God's children. You may not even see the chastening of God in this lifetime, but you're gonna, there's consequences to sin. There's a, such a thing as a judgment seat of Christ. And every one of us is going to stand before Him at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of those things which we were done, whether they're good or evil. Sin has a consequence. Sin has a consequence for mankind as well outside the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is like a loaded gun. By the way, I keep all my guns loaded. But you know, I have not had one of them to fire without me picking it up and pulling the trigger. You've got a loaded gun in your nature. And uh, all you have to do is pull the trigger. Now, in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 26, we see the consequences of sin. I, I don't think I'm going to take the time to read that. Please note that and read it later. Romans 1, 26 through 31. All of these things are embedded in the nature of every man and woman and dominate the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no such thing as a non-sinner. All 
have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is embedded even in the child of God. That nature is still there. You have a dual nature now. The Apostle Paul was very eloquent and very clear on that in the seventh chapter of Romans. And oh, you know, the Apostle Paul, probably one, one of our preachers mentioned how the, none of us would ever match up to the, the Apostle Paul in his ability and his spirituality. But the Apostle Paul battled with sin every day. And it broke his heart. God's people need to despise sin. I hate sin. I hate the sin in the world. I hate, I hate it and it breaks my heart to see the, see children of God involved in sin. But most of all, I hate it here. I hate it in me. God's people ought to be very diligent and conscientious about going before the Father and begging forgiveness daily for our sins. Consequences. Genesis 4-7 no doubt implies that there is a consequence of sin. After Cain murdered his brother, God put a curse on his life which followed man, kind, throughout the generations. After Cain did that, so now we are told in Romans 6-23 that the Wages of sin is what? Death. Consequences. James tells us, uh, he says this, and uh, every man is uh, tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed, and when he is, when, uh, and when, I didn't write it down, now I can't remember it, but it's at the end that says, And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We have a lot of youngsters in this auditorium this evening, this afternoon. You are going to face a time in your life where you're going to see society literally swimming in sin. Many of you in here, youngsters, are now under the umbrella of your parents in the safety zone. One day you'll be on your own. One day you won't have that safety zone. You'll be in the presence of real, raw sin. Beware. 
Be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he wants you. He wants you. And he'll do every possible thing. He'll bring every kind of subtle temptation that uh, that is possible before your face. You must be aware. And, and understand also that sin has a consequence. When our Lord Jesus bare the sin, our sins on the cross, sin found its end for the child of God. James said, when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. And when the Lord Jesus died on the cross, what did He say? It is finished. It is finished. He finished sin there on the cross. Not His own, for He had none. But for me. For me. He finished sin for me. That ultimate punishment at the great white throne, which I will never experience. And so the good news is that He he, and only He is able to conquer sin and raise from the dead. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Paul said, I thank God. My Lord Jesus Christ has won that victory. He's conquered sin. And now, um, we stand spiritually, not physically. We stand spiritually incorruptible. Your, uh, the, the, your new nature, your new man in you cannot be ever corrupted. Incorruptible. No corruptibility. But this old flesh is still here. That's why I say beware. Beware. We may fly all the way now from Genesis to Revelation. And we look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. And in that passage, we have the vivid, a very vivid description now of the consequences of sin. If you're here without Christ today, there's consequences for sin. And we need to... I need to let you know that. That one day you're going to stand before the great judge, the judge of all mankind. And when you stand before that judge, there'll be no mercy. There'll be no compassion. There'll only be a stiff, unbendable law that will stand and judge you. And you'll hear that horrible voice that will echo in your mind the rest of eternity 
Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. If God were to execute, uh, excuse sin, that is, it would be a violation of His own holiness. He must judge sin. He must do that. And it would fly in the face of all that Christ did on the cross. You can't avoid God's judgment any more than you can avoid death. Except through Christ. And that finished work on the cross. So that's the remedy. Christ is the remedy of sin. He's the answer. The only escape from this consequent is through that one who suffered and died and paid that debt. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And I pray today that God would be pleased to give you faith and repentance to come to Him. And if He has, you let that known, let be known to someone here, this pastor or the several other pastors that we have here. May God bless you.